The Rangers' seven-game winning streak to start the playoffs is over, thanks to a rough start from Max Scherzer and some just boneheaded lapses from this pitching staff. A comeback that just fell short. We're going to talk about what went right and what went wrong for the Rangers in Game 3 of the ALCS. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers. Your daily Texas Rangers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on to the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan covering this team for all five seasons as founder and host of the Locked On Rangers podcast. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Hit subscribe on YouTube where the best way you can help grow the show is to listen every single day and comment nearly any single thing below. Shout out to all of y'all who are joining live after loss, unless you're an Astros fan here for schadenfreude. Uh, no, no unwelcome to you, whatever the opposite of welcome is. Before we get into today's show, this episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Swing for the fences on Sleeper Picks, and you could win up to 100 times your money. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code Locked On to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms used for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Now, this was a sloppy one, an 8-5 to five loss for the Rangers. Mad Max on the hill after nearly over a month missing time with that Terrace major injury. And... Looked sharp in the first inning. Looked like, okay, this might be a vintage Max Scherzer performance. And then things started to slip away from a three-run second inning, a run in the third, a run in the fourth inning. And by the time he was done, the Rangers were down five to nothing. And at that point, they were getting no hit by the time he was out of this game. It was a, a rough start for this Rangers team. And the line, I think, is a little deceptive on Max Scherzer. I think his pitches were... Mostly okay, mostly okay, but the ones that weren't really weren't, and that is a a big difference in why he was able to go five innings and five runs versus you know a couple better pitches here and there, a couple you know fewer spots that he doesn't miss, and he's maybe through four or five innings of one or two runs as opposed to the five runs that he earned. I mean, he had four strikeouts this one, just one walk, and also had one hit by pitch to Jordan Alvarez, hit in the foot. On, I believe it was a cutter. Here's a changeup that hit him literally. I think it was a cutter that hit him literally in the back foot while Max Scherzer was up 0-2. I bet Frommer Valdez thought that 0-2 hit by pitch on Frommer was also intentional. Maybe he'll go and plunk Marcus Simeon in the next game just because he can. Um, I don't know. We'll see if we even get to that point. But I'm um, hoping the Rangers don't. Hoping the Rangers can take care of business in Game Four and Game Five because this was. This was just not great from Scherzer, not what you're hoping for. And it was just little things that kept coming back to bite the Rangers. Things that, you know, in a game, if the game was played over again, which you can't do, unfortunately, maybe things break a little bit better. The Rangers play a lot of two out runs that were scored, a lot of hits with runners in scoring position, including Martin Maldonado, a multi-hit game for Martin Maldonado. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me with the two-run single in that second inning? I mean these hitters who just frankly are not very good. The ones that are beating you. I mean, Dubon had a three hit day and he's, he's a fine hitter, but he's not great. I mean, you walk Kyle Tucker. Kyle Tucker is a great hitter. 
Don't get me wrong. Kyle Tucker is a very, very good hitter in the midst of a legendarily bad slump. He was hitting below 100 in this game in heading into this game in in the postseason. And the Rangers walked him three times and he scored twice. He also had a double that um, you know would have scored a normal runner and not Jordan Alvarez in front of him, but a monumentally boneheaded decision to to send him with Adoles Garcia throwing in right field from first base on a double. I just don't understand the move there. There was also another send um, in game one, I believe it was. It was game two, um, sending Jordan Alvarez. I think it was game two on a Michael Brantley double that uh, did end up scoring Jordan only because of the throw by uh, Corey Seager that ended up hitting the mound. And that's kind of what allowed the uh, slow man to score. But it's just... You limited the damage. I mean, you got out of a game without Jordan Alvarez hitting a home run. I mean, he hit a ball far enough to be a home run. We'll talk about Leone Tavares and his sensational catch. Um, but just a, a ho-hum two-for-four day with a pair of RBIs on an RBI single from Jordan Alvarez. Just a couple of singles, no doubles, no walks, no homers by Jordan Alvarez. That, that's a day you can live with. And the rest of this lineup, I mean, Michael Brantley, who had absolutely crushed Max Scherzer in the past, went 0 for 5 with a strikeout tonight. I mean, Alex Bregman went 0 for 4 with a walk tonight. He did have a couple of hits from Jose Altuve, but just one run batted in. But it's the bottom of this lineup that was doing damage. I mean, you put Kyle Tucker on so many times, even in the middle of the slump. Jose Abreu just had one hit, also had a strikeout, did have a run scored. I mean, it's just time and time again, this pitching staff was beating itself. And it, it felt like you were in such a hole down five, nothing. Thankfully you got the Josh Young home run to put you on the board, crawl you back in this one. Um, but you had to use the, the B tier, the backup plan. There were, I'm sure there were a million different um, contingency plans for how this game would go, depending on how Scherzer looked. If he was getting just absolutely rocked, if you had to pull him out of there after two innings, then I'm sure they had a game plan for that. And this one didn't feel like it made much sense because he was having so many quality pitches, but the ones that he messed up, he messed up real bad and he messed them up to, he messed up those pitches to the wrong hitters. And those hitters ended up taking advantage. Even Martin Maldonado is a professional hitter, even though he's the worst hitter in baseball, he is still a professional hitter and him having a two hit day in a game that you really really wanted to win it ended up being a lot closer than it looked like it was going to be th through the first five innings. Um, those things come back to bite you. I mean, Chris Stratton coming on and allowing a couple of hits. I and mean, we, we see why the Rangers didn't trust these guys in the high leverage boss in Chris Stratton and Will Smith. And Will Smith gives up a two RBI single to Jordan Alvarez on a pitch that wasn't that bad. He got Jordan Alvarez to swing and miss at a fastball down the middle, a Will Smith fastball down the middle. That that's not something that I, I thought would ever happen in a playoff game. And honestly, he wasn't that bad. And the, the two runs by Chris Stratton were both inherited runners, which I feel like is almost kind of karmic because it felt like every time that Chris Stratton came on later on in the season with runners on base, he ended up allowing those inherited runners to score. It, it, I mean, mainly the situation that comes to mind is when he came in and it bases loaded jam when the Rangers were up. I believe it was four nothing in Minnesota, and it was Jordan Montgomery's worst start as a Ranger. And he had the bases loaded. In comes Chris Stratton, and Chris Stratton gives up a grand slam and the lead, which was incredibly frustrating. Um, but there are some positives from this one. There are some things that the Rangers did well, but it felt like an opportunity missed. The Rangers got three runs off of this very, very good Astros bullpen. They finally got to Brian Abreu for a run. Brian Abreu hadn't allowed a single run in 
months. I believe it was the end of July, the last time he allowed a single earned run. It was just the single earned run, a walk, and an Evan Carter near infield hit very close with the Baltimore-esque chop um, and a close play by Jose Altuve to get him at first base. A good walk worked by Marcus Simeon. That was a really good plate appearance against a very, very tough uh, pitcher who the only way you can really get to him is if he gets himself out of it and, and stays out of the strike zone. And just not a great day from Corey Seager, a, a, an over day from Seager. And didn't strike out, went 0 for 4, though, and hasn't had a great series. It's been frustrating to see that from Seager. I thought that it was just a couple of games on the road that, oh, well, he's facing off against Framber Valdez. Oh, he's facing off against Justin Verlander. He did have a hit off of Framber Valdez. He might have had a couple, actually, now that I think about it. I think it was actually just the one. Um, but you're like, okay, he's coming back to Globe Life Field. He absolutely crushing it, crushes it there in the playoffs, especially. So he's going to be able to, you know, see this pitcher well. He's, he's a good pitcher, Javier. By no means am I, I demeaning him, but he had a four and a half ERA this year for a se- uh, this this season for a reason. He was not his usual self. I thought that the start in Minnesota was a little bit of Minnesota getting this without it, as opposed to Christian Javier just being fantastic. But it, it seems like it's just Christian Javier finding whatever it was in the postseason that he very much did not have in the regular season. You got to tip your cap to him. Just a really, really good day. And the only mistake that was on his ledger was the home run to Josh Young. Coming up, we're going to look at Josh Young's importance, what the Rangers did well, and what might go well for them because of this game moving forward. But first, this word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Sleeper. The MLB playoffs are right here, which means the clock is ticking on your chance to win 100 times your cash on daily fantasy baseball. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is right now with studs like, um, I, don't, I don't know, uh, I'm about to say Max Scherzer, but uh, not not today. Maybe another day, Nathan Eovaldi, Josh Young, Leone Tavares, Nathaniel Lowe, so many stars. And you can pick more, more or less on stats for these stars, like home runs, hits, strikeouts, and more for up to a 100 times payout on sleeper get your picks right and you could win big use promo code locked on you'll get up to a 100 match on your first deposit terms and conditions apply see sleepers terms of use for details Shout out to the Everydayers for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. On tomorrow's show, will be live again after the Rangers and Astros square off in Game 4, hopefully after a Rangers win. We'll see what's going on there, but either way, you can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcasts on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, I feel like the Rangers had to switch up the vibes after this one, after a loss like this that was so frustrating and demoralizing. Maybe Creed can still be played, but maybe don't invite them to the stadium. Maybe they're obviously switching up who is throwing out the first pitch uh, tomorrow. I think it's going to be, um, I don't know if Beltre is going to be there at all this week. Uh, maybe maybe Adrian Beltre in there. He's never had bad vibes once a day in his life. So sure, just having him around. I know he's busy doing dad stuff but you know invite the whole family have them come to a rangers alcs game bring their good vibes and uh bring those over but there were some good things speaking of third basemen who do things well for the texas rangers joshua freaking young have yourself a day a multi-homer game a four rbi game drove in four of the five rangers runs and absolutely 
crushed it coming off a game where he just looked absolutely overmatched a couple of games where he looked overmatched against Justin Verlander who got the benefit of the doubt on a strike three call that kind of sent him into a tizzy of having to expand the zone a whole lot more and Verlander just abused him the next at bat and then against Fromber who I thought he'd have a great day he had a terrible day at the plate and here comes Joshua Young Joshua mother loving Young and is not phased by it at all not phased by being absolutely snubbed snubbed for the gold glove third baseman finalist not even a finalist not even a finalist the other guys ahead of him i think very much on reputation bregman does not even have the reputation of being an elite defensive third baseman i don't have any idea what metric those guys are looking at what nonsense they're looking at to say oh yeah alex bregman's actually a better defender than josh young this season get get out of here he is not a better hitter than josh young in this postseason young is hitting 355 with an 1170 ops maybe time to move him back up in the order because you have your eight and nine hole hitters it's great to have your eight and nine hole hitters hitting over 320 and with an OPS over a thousand for each of them, but maybe you might want them a little bit higher in the lineup because you have other guys in there and Garber who's hitting just 238 with a 700 uh, OPS and Joan Heim who's hitting 220 and somehow in the five hole. I, I don't love that for Jonah. I know he did have the home run, but it feels like a lot of mixing and matching. I do love Evan Carter in the three hole. I think that's great. Having your top four be set in Simeon, Seager, Carter, Adolis, then behind that, that's where you kind of mix and you match. I think Tavares in the nine hole is fine. You can get away with that. Um, but but Josh Young, I think he really needs to hit, hit higher up in the order. Maybe it doesn't make that much of a difference, but I would just like to see it uh, have him be in some of these bigger spots than than Jonah because he. I mean, you have a multi-homer day. It's just it just feels like you should be hitting a little bit higher up in the order. But he wasn't the only one having a great day. Leone Tavares with the catch of the year. No, the catch of the decade. No, the catch of forever. If if this if this Rangers team had come back and won a one-run game, that would have been a moment you look back on forever. We I think we still will. If the Rangers end up winning this series, even if they don't, that was an absolutely sensational catch. Another guy who was slubbed, snubbed for a cold glove this year in center field. I think he's going to win a gold glove out there. Eventually, the Rangers had three. No, four, four different players be gold glove finalists. Actually, no, no, no. Scratch that. Five. I forgot about Corey Seager. Three out of four Rangers infielders are gold glove finalists in Nathaniel Lowe. What? I mean, deserved. But if you told me that last year, I probably would have had a stroke and called you a liar. And Marcus Simeon deserved. He should be a no doubt winner. Corey Seager. Okay. He did have a good defensive play late on in this game that saved a run because he is 6'4 and has very long arms. That was a great play. Jonah Heim, I think he should definitely win it. I shouldn't think it should be close. He has been phenomenal in every aspect of being a defensive catcher. And Adoles Garcia in right field about darn time. I don't think he's even been a finalist before. He might have been a finalist one year, but he deserves the love that he he has gotten. He also had an outfield assist in this one. Yoran Alvarez at home in the ninth inning. Good to see Martin Perez back on the hill in this one. Apparently, he had been dealing with a hip injury, which is why he didn't pitch in the ALDS, but the Rangers kept him on the roster. They didn't end up needing him, didn't end up having to put him on the IL, which would have meant he would have had to miss this series, which is good to have him available and out there and pitching an inning. I mean, 
for for the Rangers to have to use the few amount of pitchers that they did use, I think bodes really well for them. But I mean, still a good performance for Cody Bradford. I'm surprised he only got an inning and a third. Honestly, pretty surprised. But hey, Stratton did an okay job until he didn't, which is kind of the story of this pitching staff. They did a good enough job until it wasn't good enough. And that was incredibly frustrating, but I do want to also give a huge, huge props to Adolis Garcia with that opposite field RBI single to uh, score. I believe that was yeah. Marcus Simeon who had gotten to second base on the walk and the ground out by Evan Carter, just a very, very good plate appearance by him hitting a 99 mile an hour fastball from one of the nastiest pitchers in baseball in Brian Abreu on the outer black, low and away, on the corner, just dotted exactly where he wanted, but he had seen it the pitch before. This one was ramped up a little bit about a mile an hour faster than the pitch he had seen before, but he recognized it. He went to the opposite field. The Astros were playing him to pull, and he used the full, the whole field, and that is why he was the RBI leader before he, in Major League Baseball before he went on the IL, and I think would have led Major League Baseball in runs batted in had he been healthy for the entire season. Uh, guess we'll never know, uh, as the Astros tend to say, but still an overall okay offensive day. I just really wish the Rangers could have done a little bit more to get to Christian Javier. But I mean, at some point you have to see what Christian Javier has done in his postseason career and just say, you know what? The guy just takes it to another level in the postseason. Sometimes guys just do that. We've, we've seen what Nathan Evaldi can do. And it makes me kind of terrified if the Rangers do God forbid Literally, God forbid, this, this series goes to a game seven because it will destroy us all, no matter who you are rooting for or if you're rooting for nobody. I mean, the nation itself will be ripped asunder by the terror rot if a game seven between these two teams, no matter who wins. Um, but I really don't want to see Christian Javier in a game seven. I think Max Scherzer moving forward will be much sharper than he was. I mean, he'd never taken this long to come back and immediately come into a start, let alone a playoff start. I mean, Max Scherzer was saying before the game, he's like, even I have no idea what the heck to expect from myself. And, you know, it was really frustrating because he was so close to having a really great outing, but just two or three or four pitches going the wrong way. And that's the ball game. But again, sometimes that's the way baseball go. Sometimes that is the way baseball go. Even Will Smith having some good at bats and just allowing a little bloop single by Jordan Alvarez to score a couple runs and, you know, a bloop single to uh, Martin Maldonado or, you know, a untimely walk to Kyle Tucker in the middle of a very bad slump. It's just the little things that the Rangers have done so very, very well throughout these, these, you know, eight playoff games, well, seven up to this point, and that they didn't do in this one, something they had done pretty well overall in the regular season. I mean, they'd had some goof ups with their bullpen, but um, yeah. And another, you know, we'll get into the good things the Rangers did in just a second, but I mean, hat tip to this Astros team that has been an offense that has been in the first couple of games predicated almost entirely on the home run. And here they were doing the Rangers early season offense of we're going to go five for 12 with runners in scoring position. Um, we're not going to leave that many on base based on how many we have. We're going to score a lot with two outs. We're going to break your back. And those are some of the most heartbreaking kinds of runs score. There was a bunch of jams. The Rangers were just this close to getting out of it and they just couldn't tonight. Frustrating loss for the Rangers. I think it'll be Erkiti and we'll talk more about game four in the third segment in the third segment, we talk about what went right for the Rangers, because even though this was a loss, it was very frustrating. There are some things that happened in this game that bode 
pretty well for the Rangers moving forward. We're going to talk about that in just a second, right after this word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. The Jace case is a personalized emergency kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. You can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your unique needs. Jace Medical now offers customizability for your Jace case with dozens of add-on medications. Choose the medications that best fit you and your family's unique needs. Another purchase point, you can also go get a gift card for your family or loved ones so they can get a Jace case of their own. So you check these out. You can have these medications on hand when times are tough, when it is hard to get to the doctor, to see a doctor quickly or to get the medicine medications you need. The Jace case will be there for you. So go to jacemedical.com and enter code Locked on at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That's promo code locked on at jasemedical.com. Shout out to the everyday rich making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day on Fridays, Thursdays show, whatever today, whatever the day after tomorrow is. I'll be going live after game six, five. Whatever, I'm bad at numbers. I'm bad at remembering what day it is. I'll be talking about the Rangers and the Astros in the ALCS, whatever day that is going live to talk about the Rangers. Hopefully, closing out at home a serious win over the Astros. Even if it's not, you can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, the Rangers got lit up a little bit in this one. And I talked a little bit in yesterday's show and maybe a little bit the day before there were a bunch of different plans for the Rangers, depending on how Max Scherzer threw. And the Rangers had a lot of depth in their bullpen in terms of long guys, not in terms of guys you super trust in the seventh, eighth and ninth inning of close games. Nope. There are three guys there. And it seems like after tonight, you're still very clearly thinking there are three guys there and then you hope that your starters or your combo starters or whoever's going to be starting in game four can get you six innings so that for the seven, eight night, you can go spores Chapman and Leclerc and feel good about that. This is the first game that Jose Leclerc has not pitched in the postseason for the Rangers. I think that bodes well moving forward. And another thing that bodes well for the Rangers moving forward is that the Rangers got to Hector Neris. They got a home run off of him. It was Josh Young. And now Hector Neris' ERA in the playoffs is 11.57. They also got one run off of Brian Abreu, who has thrown three games in four days. And two of those are in losses. That bodes well for the Rangers because he's almost assuredly not available for game four. There's no way they're going to throw Brian Abreu four games in five days. And if they do, well, maybe the Rangers will get to him even more. He will be absolutely exhausted by that point. And then he's definitely going to be down for game five. So um, yeah, that bodes well for the Rangers. They also had to throw Ryan Presley. This is his second game in three days. If Ryan Presley throws tomorrow, that will be three games in four days and he'll be out for Friday's game almost assuredly because I don't think they're throwing these guys a whole lot of four and five days. That feels like too much, even for how good this Astros bullpen is. And the Astros bullpen, as nasty as they've been in the playoffs, they are exhausted. They are very exhausted. Like I said, this Houston Astros starting rotation during the year was not nearly as good as it has been in years past, and especially in terms of going deep into ball games. I mean, this Astros pen, I mean, in Neris, Abreu, Presley, all those guys, and Montero as well, 
they have been used a lot. They have been used a whole, whole lot. And, you know, their stuff is is nasty. They know how to hold it down in the postseason. I mean, Presley has yet to blow a save in his postseason career. But all these guys have been used a whole lot. And the more they get used, the more exhausted they get. And the easier it'll be for the Rangers to get to them. I mean, these, these Rangers relievers, they've ridden them hard in the postseason. But they didn't ride them that hard during the regular season. I mean, Jose Leclerc was not pitching, you know, three games in four days. He was not pitching almost any back-to-backs. He was not pitching, you know, three games in a row ever. I mean, it just wasn't happening. And for the most part, Chapman down the stretch was not pitching in back-to-back days and still should not be doing that going forward. At least got Chapman two days off consecutively after throwing him in back-to-back games. And Spores also got two days off. All those top-end guys got two days off. That is a good thing for the Rangers. And another good thing, is Scherzer's able to get them four innings. They didn't have to throw Bradford for that many innings. I don't know if they're going to throw him in back-to-back games, but um, it's possible. Will Smith was out there for a third of an inning. John Gray was back out there. You got to throw him in a game where you were still competitive. You got to see what John Gray looked like when he got back on the hill. And he was throwing pretty hard. He was throwing 98, which he'd done a couple times during the season. Not often, but he had done it a couple times. I mean, the slider velocity was up 3.1 miles an hour. He only threw 15 pitches. Um, The fastball velocity, his yearly average was 95.7 miles an hour. And tonight it averaged 97.3. That's really good. And I think he's probably going to be in one inning stints for now, because that's what we saw him in this one. I was kind of surprised they threw him in into not a clean inning. That was a little shocking to me, but hey, he Took it like a champ, came in, threw one pitch, got out of a jam. That was a good, good moment for the Rangers. Kept them in this ball ball game, and he was able to get a yeah, good enough second or as one full inning of work. He did allow the run, did allow a um, a walk and a couple of hits. But I mean, getting him back out there, getting his feet under him, and and seeing what he looks like, you'll you'll figure out what he feels like tomorrow. Um, I don't know that he's necessarily going to be trusted as a high leverage guy right away. Um, and I think ideally you would like him to be able to be a starter, but if you have to move forward where your game four person is a combination of Heaney and Dunning, I think that's solid. Even if you go to the world series and you have to have one game of Heaney and Dunning and we're seeing even in the seven game series, you're only having one game of that in the series. So it's definitely survivable and they did a really good job. Both those guys did a really good job against Baltimore. Now I think the Houston Astros offense is a little bit better than Baltimore. Um, and it might be a little harder for them to replicate that kind of success, um, against Houston, but it's possible. It's entirely possible. And having those guys be fresh, not having to use either of those guys in this game. So it'll be, what a little over a week since either of them have thrown, they will have plenty of rest. And if you need them both to go three innings, they can, if you want one of them to go four innings, that'd be great. And we'll see how, how they're looking at that point. But I mean, this, this thing bodes well for the Rangers. There are some signs that things are going well for the Rangers, including the Tavares in general, which I was still seeing people dogging his defense after that play, which Again, there are some concerns with Leo's defense that he's not absolutely perfect. There were some circuitous routes. There were some moments where there were a few mental lapses. But if you wanted to pick this time to dog on Leo Tavares after he made the catch of the year, like given the circumstances, given the context, like I have not seen a better catch in the playoffs in years, maybe ever. 
honestly. And he is hitting like crazy. He also reached base again tonight. He's reached base in all but one of the games in the playoffs this year. He had a 2.7 uh, baseball reference for the season. And I tweeted this out, but the amount of homegrown players who have had a higher B-War season since 2015, um, higher than 2.7 since 2015, here's the list, is Joey Gallo. That's it. That that's the whole list since 2015. If you want to count Elvis Andrews, I kind of do. It's kind of a a weird, you know, he wasn't, you know, signed by the Rangers internationally. But I say if they get here in a trade before they get to double A, you can kind of count that. So Ezekiel Duran, you could maybe kind of count that. He did not have a higher uh B war season than than Leody did this year. Also, Josh Young did not have a higher C war season than Leody Tavares this year even though he was absolutely sensational. I mean, Leody, guys who play elite center field defense, and it is elite. It's not perfect, but it is freaking elite. He is incredibly fast. He makes these spectacular plays. He has got one of the best arms in the outfield. He is switch hitting very well. He does it occasionally for power. He's getting on base. He is stealing bases. Guys like that don't grow on trees. I don't know why everyone is so hell-bent on trading Leody Tavares for starting young pitching you don't know how many guys would kill how many teams would kill for leody Tavares. i mean there are so so many of them and leody is still very young he just turned 25 and which means he's probably going to get even better remember those streaky months that he would have where he would hit you know 280 with six home runs in a month and then another month he'd hit like 350 with an on base of like four 20 or whatever it was in that month of uh, May, I believe it was when he was just absolutely insanely on fire. He also did that in September while nobody was noticing. He's also been doing it in October while people have been absolutely noticing. And this guy is so good. Players like that do not homegrown players like that do not home grow on trees. And as much as I love Evan Carter and as much as I love Wyatt Langford, and I think they'll both be probably pretty good. It is probably, it is not, Definitely. It is not. I have for sure seen this over a large sample size. I know exactly what they're going to do in a full season in Major League Baseball. I mean, Wyatt Langford, we've seen what, like 50 minor league games from him? They were sensational. They were great minor league games. And he made it all the way up to AAA and had Evan Carter not been hitting like crazy. And, you know, had there been somebody else on this roster who was you know, not absolutely crushing it, maybe would have seen Wyatt Langford make his major league debut and maybe be on this postseason roster. But we didn't. And there's no need to rush him to the big leagues. He has to earn his spot in the big leagues. Evan Carter did that with the way that he played it down the stretch, the way that he played those couple of games in Round Rock, and also because there was an opportunity because Adolis Garcia was hurt and you didn't really know what was going to happen with that. And you needed some kind of, you know, gap filler. And Evan Carter was that he was not intended to be a little savior. He ended up being that, and that was fine, but it still boggles my mind that people don't appreciate how incredibly good Leo Tavares is. Is he Mike Trout? No. Is he Julio Rodriguez? No, but he's really dang good. And the amount of homegrown players that the Rangers have produced in the last five years, 10 years, 20 years, their entire freaking franchise. It has been a long time since they've had just a good homegrown player. And there is absolutely no need to rush him off. And anybody who is not celebrating this fantastic 
postseason that Leo Tavares is having right now just does not want to enjoy the fun things in baseball. And that is an absolute bummer for them because I'm going to enjoy the absolute crap out of Leo Tavares. That man is not going anywhere. There are very few people in Major League Baseball I would trade him for. And right now, I don't think the Rangers would trade him for just about anybody. Rangers will be back at it tomorrow. We'll see who the game four starters are. Probably going to be Jose or Keedy versus the Heaney-Dunning combo. Rangers bats need to get going. Hopefully we'll see a Corey Seager bounce back game. You don't see him held down for two or three games in a row very often, if ever. I know he's going to be pissed off for greatness as the Nick Saban saying goes, and I am very, very excited to see how this team bounces back after their first postseason loss of the year. Hopefully, they won't make it too. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you all so much for listening and subscribing. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy Texas Rangers ALCS baseball.